Welcome, everybody. Hi, this is Nick Flanagan, and you're listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly, my special podcast. Um, the only podcast I do. I also sometimes co-host the Nango Jones podcast, but honestly, this is it. This is the one where, oh, I talk about all kinds of things, but I also have guests. And today, my guest is Goodrich Gavart who is a comedian and voice actor and writer, and uh, he did a lot of stuff for The Hard Times. I believe he still does. And uh, he's really funny and really smart, nice. He has an album out on a special thing records called Portrait of a Young Weirdo. But beyond all of that, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him was because he's somebody who moved to Los Angeles around the same time that I did in 2016 from Chicago. I moved from Toronto and I believe those are sister cities. And then he wrote an article years later about why he left Los Angeles and what his life was like after returning to Cincinnati. And I thought this, this interview is from like April earlier this year. And that was like the one year anniversary of my visa running out. So I, I came back to Toronto so I thought it was a really interesting piece. It was for medium.com. We've got it linked in the in the um, show episode notes. And uh, I thought it was really worthwhile doing a check-in with him a year into me moving, probably not that much less for him moving, back to Cincinnati. And yeah, this is a very old talk. And we did it over a quick time and... Uh, or recorded it or something. It was a very complicated means because we weren't in the same city. I know how to do it a lot easier now, but it was a really enjoyable talk and I I hope that you get something nice out of it. So be sure to check out him at goodrichgavart.com and his album portrait of a young weirdo for now. Let's listen to my talk with none other than Goodrich. You should use it. Do you do do you YouTube? Do you YouTube? Uh, I, I don't at all. I actually do at some SEO, I do SEO work for my job for companies. Ah. But I tell me a, more. I'm not a YouTube person, <laughs> so. Um do you watch YouTube? Uh I do, but it's mostly like skate videos or um people talking about guitars. <laughs> it's very healthy very, very healthy very YouTube niche diet. interests it's never like they keep trying to be, to be like to watch white power videos and i'm like i know i'm fine i'm i'm okay yeah my my algorithm's all over the place i mean i have pretty much been glued to youtube since i uh went to la uh in 2016 and like i started watching Again, I got obsessed with stuff that was like not good for you. Uh, <laughs> Dick, Gre- Dick Gregory, Dick Gregory, late in life, you know, con- heavy conspiracy theory videos. I don't know if you ever watch those. They're I, absolutely wor- worth your time, but they're they're pretty uh, bad for you. Oh wow, I didn't know that he had ventured to YouTube. But he seemed like a guy who, like, for some reason in my mind, I know he was like a big activist. Uh, all, a lot of stuff I agree with. But I didn't know he had made it online. I assumed he was just like he would show up as the old guard at shows and tell everyone you know what to do. 
No, no, no. He was definitely... I mean, it's not like he had a YouTube channel. It wasn't like Dick Gregory Speaks. It he was like, like some going guy... to the place with a with what going with like a uh, selfie stick. Like Dick Gregory goes to yeah. Juice. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't um, you know the Brody Stevens King of Periscope yeah. <laughs> style uh, <laughs> thing. He was uh, he was like some guy would come to his house, buy him like a massive smoothie because he drank smoothie these giant styrofoam smoothies yeah. like styrofoam cups full of smoothies and uh they just ask him about stuff and you go shut up for a minute and let me talk <laughs> okay i see what i did absolutely there, gonna watch these videos <laughs> yeah and he would go like i don't think trump i think trump is two guys <laughs> that was one of the things he said and and what's cool is if you watch like a really old clip of dick gregory he still kind of talks like that mostly about health stuff yeah like, he loves like, you know they're they're doing this he was a huge health nut yeah did you know that uh yeah he's as far as i know he was like a big fresh juice guy and he was like yes. raw food and that was his part of his big shtick yeah but it didn't help his voice um not be raspy his voice was very raspy near the end and yeah. also um he did something in the 1970s where like there was a very obese man and he like went to his bedside and just tried to ease him into a healthy lifestyle <laughs> that seems very weird did this guy know he that gregory was going to show up <laughs> No, but, you know, it's his fault because he just put his address at the back of an issue of Fangoria. Oh, no. <laughs> and he was like, I'm very heavy. I'm looking for help. And then, and then Dick, Dick Gregory, Gregory is the like, respondent. he's like, my name is Dick Gregory. Welcome to Jackass. This is getting this guy to drink juice. <laughs> he definitely called people jackasses late in his life. Like the, the big <laughs> thing about those videos is not just that he's being a conspiracy theorist. But it's that he also um, is like yelling at the people interviewing him all the time. Like they'll go, "Do you think the government is corrupt?" They'll be like, "They'll be like, the fuck you mean? Of course." <laughs> <laughs> he's lived that life for what so you, long. He's stupid? mad anyone still que asking questions. He's answered. <laughs> By the way, I'm being very cautious to not, you know, do a problematic Dick Gregory voice. <laughs> I mean, it's he—he he is just has a specific voice, anyways. Yes, but still, you know, you never want to be in that Billy Crystal zone. Oh yeah, there's a there is definitely a, a distinct line between what you're doing and the jazz man. You know, that being said, I wish I had half the talent that he's got in his little finger. Oh, I, he's got so it's it's a deep well of finger talent he's got. <laughs> Do you remember when like? In the 80s and 90s, and people were just like, Billy Crystal, there is no one more talented yes. than Billy Crystal. Absolutely. Him and Robin Williams were essentially viewed as like the most talented men in the world. That's what and I was also, just thinking. I was reminding of everyone loved Robin Williams, and it's like he just did like 70s black voice. Like, that's it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I would argue that he actually did a lot of neat things, but when he would descend into the voice, the <laughs> ethnic voice, which he didn't just do 70s black voice, although you're right, like most of his punchlines were said in something ap approximating that. Yeah. Uh, 
But he also did like the sort of, you know, Allahu Akbar 80s <laughs> type Middle Eastern yeah. voice. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure he did the Indian voice as well. I, I have no proof of it. Without a doubt. And yet Howard Stern does this stuff and I'm 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 not fine with it, but like I certainly have blocked it out. Yeah. And allow for it. I wonder why that is. Jewish? I, mean, I don't know. It's weird that there's certain things something about and it's it's like uh something about the almost like how much you think this person knows about the culture they're making fun of. Kind of thing. And you're like, well, I guess I think they both knew. I think they both know stuff. Yeah. Uh or what are you saying? The more they know, the more racist they are or the less racist they are? Uh I think in terms of like it, as a person like consuming that and what you allow for like because if you hear like dudes on like a morning radio zoo crew being like racist or doing voices it's it's like very unfunny and oh you've never met a person of this race in your life and been friends with yeah totally and um, it's like but but that's also know. that's also like kind of a truth that i don't trust anyone with so Oh, yeah, like Howard Stern, I just, um, you know, for a long time, I liked him in spite of that stuff. And then yeah. uh, after 9-11, I didn't listen to him for a few years. And then uh, this is, I'm sure, scintillating for people to listen to, is to <laughs> hear my relationship with Howard Stern. And then after Sirius, the Sirius thing came on. He was in this different zone and I started getting into it. And now if you listen to him, as everyone talks about, he's just like, you know, basically uh, a very tries to be very sensitive, you know, and he's. Oh, I haven't listened. Yeah. I haven't listened to Stern over the ages at all. So I don't really have any um, context yeah. aside from people uh, I know that are similar to you where they've they've listened for, you know, the different, you know, eras of Stern. Stern. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just gonna say the name, uh, a name. <laughs> Stern. Uh, Goodrich Gavart. Yes. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Uh, you did. Yeah. What is uh, the origin? Is it what is this Dutch? What are we talking it, about? It is Dutch. I don't know how anyone knows that it's Dutch, but because I didn't for the longest time but it is dutch what did your family act like uh well <laughs> that's the thing my family that i know of in america i know the goodrich part uh-huh which is like it was a last name they're like came over on the mayflower potentially um, wow and then my mom's side of the family is just like illinois trash so okay d define that for for those who might not be familiar with illinois trash okay so the first time um my so when i was like uh probably 20 uh i think that's when trailer park boys first started showing in canada um, yeah i know it and so i at the time i was in college and i uh my friend had uh told me about the movie foobar and so i was obsessed with that canadian film and then amazon wow. was do you know that i'm assuming yeah, yeah, no, there was uh, one of the guys, uh, uh, Paul Spence, you know, he was in a band called CBC Gangbangs, and now he's got Night Seeker. Uh, I've known him since the 90s. 
Yeah, Paul. he was had a band called Daylight Lovers. Yeah, so, so that's yeah, amazing. I definitely, I love Paul. Yeah. So I was very into that, and Amazon is like, you might like this show, Trailer Park Boys, and so I bought all the DVDs, um, like fifteen years ago, and my, we were watching it as a family, and my mom was very upset because it seemed exactly like the, the life she grew up with. So she didn't yeah. like the show because it was actually too real for her. So that's the kind of family she came from. Right. <laughs> there is um, an element of the Midwestern world that uh, seems like it mirrors some type of Canadian uh, culture. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's the same like, you know, backwoods, just like, hey, fuck it. Let's get drunk. Like that sort of yeah. mentality. From Minnesota to although I've never been there, Champagne. Uh perhaps. Yeah, in in uh in Illinois, she's not far from there. She grew up in Springfield. Uh and then of course there's um Wisconsin and uh um where else? The uh Indiana, you know, which all seem like they've got those vibes. But of course, I just watched Casino, that movie. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, uh um you know, Joe Pesci plays a Midwestern gangster, right? And, <laughs> Which I haven't seen Casino a, in a long time, but I assume he does not even try to make an accent happen. No, no, that's what's amazing about it. He does a he, it's awesome. I don't know if it's an accurate accent, but he maintains it and it's amazing. Oh, that's no, great. No, what what's really cool is that He's basically playing the same character as Tommy from Goodfellas, but he's kind of not. Like, it's so <laughs> similar, but he somehow, to me, gets a distinction going, which is, I don't even know how you would do that. And he's talking like this the whole time, yeah. you know? And, and and it's like in JFK when he plays that sort of Southern guy, you know? Um, if you remember, he has a small part in JFK. Uh, you don't have to remember how old are you i'm 35 okay so we're in the same ballpark but yeah. clearly you didn't have your oliver stone years somehow oh, uh definitely, don't understand definitely how not. someone from the lost generation could not have their oliver stone years but <laughs> go on didn't have the stones for stone no uh that was like i think anything involving like the president or like stuff like that when I was younger, I was like, this shit sucks. I don't care at all. <laughs> you were so punk that you were like, I'm not watching any president movie. Exactly. I'm Even not if watching there's one the where dead he gets zone. shot in the head, it's still not for me. Yeah. In the line of fire. Yeah. It was just like, it, it, as far as I was concerned, it was just guys in suits running after cars shooting at them. Well, 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 I hope you're enjoying the talk I'm having, my conversation with guest Goodrich Gabbard. I'm Nick. Uh, you probably don't recognize my voice because I've disguised it, but uh, keep in mind that it is still me. And I'm here to say, oh, I can't do this alone. Oh, I have, I have uh, to uh, pay off several bills to do the podcast, to bring it to you as I wish, and... There's all kinds of things I could do with more resources. <laughs> and if you donate to the podcast and you don't like a certain voice I use, maybe I won't use it anymore. But if you do, 
want to help support the podcast beyond subscribing, reviewing, rating, telling your friends, which are just amazing ways to do it, um, to help the podcast, you can actually send me gifts, money, whatever. Kofi.com slash Nick Flanagan and Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan are your options. And I do have things that I send to people who have donated. Right now, it's just sort of episodes without ads, uh, some bonus content. Uh, in the future, I'm hoping it'll be some merch and stuff. So, yeah, um, if you want to support, again, Kofi.com slash Nick Flanagan, Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. The links will be in the episode notes. Uh, it would be great. It is the non-denominational holidays right now. Uh, give the gift of me going to New York and interviewing people without worrying so much about the uh, low Canadian dollar as compared to the high American dollar. Back to the interview. Cool interview, but yes, I would be roasted for sure by. Uh... You know, yeah. Lil, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Lil, uh, you can, B. you can say literally anything right now after Lil and I'll be like, oh, that's just a SoundCloud guy. I don't know. About what's the Dolph, the, the Dolph guy, Dolph something guy. Dolph, Kevin Gates. These two, don't worry about it, but those are the people who would roast me. Okay. I feel, I hate that term roasted now, you know? I mean, oh my roasted. God. One of, one of the most. That baffling things to me in Los Angeles for comedy was going to open mics and hearing people try out their roast battle jokes <laughs> at an open mic and they'll start their set by like, okay, so I'm gonna roast um uh Kevin Hernandez. Here's what he looks like, just so you guys know. And then um here's my jokes. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I saw some people running those. I mean, what's weird is that roast world in la because they're at the comedy store and they're somehow they come somehow convinced like these legit comics to like judge them or something yeah it seems like one of the better ways to get seen uh but it also seems like one of the most horrific things to oh yeah do and something that is like again the opposite of punk shows where it's like you're kind of like going i'm cool and this guy's cool because I'm talking about them, you know, and it's like yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like two people scrabbling for fame instead of just one. Yeah, you totally. Um, not that I'm not scrabbling for fame. Yeah, it's but just like it's just the level of what you're comfortable with scrabbling for. And there's just the, the lack of there's just such a lack of humility. It's. uh <laughs> What happened to Grace? Yeah, right. What happened to Grace? So you came back. How did you deal with your stuff? Sorry, what? How did you deal with your stuff when you came back after this initial period in the basement? Oh, um, well, I guess I and was were there. you still doing stand up at the time? Yeah, I was doing stand up. Um, I think that's when I think moving back here was when I truly realized that like I uh, had a bad relationship with performing. Because I was just doing, when I was living with uh, Jen and her parents, I didn't, I was doing a lot of freelance writing to kind of get a portfolio of work so that I could be, you know, a copywriter or work in digital marketing, whatever, you know, which led to my current job that I actually love. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I was I would take just random gigs of headlining gigs, you know, for a couple hundred bucks because it would be like an hour drive. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, a way to make some money. And it's just like you're you already don't. I already don't like my material because I haven't written anything new because I've been feeling crazy. And then I also don't like the people I'm performing in front of because I'm in like South Bend, Indiana, and there's like eight people at this club that I'm headlining 45 minutes and they seem to not like comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have just a just a a long line of those thing, those types of shows where it's like not only is this terrible, but everything surrounding it is a nightmare. Um, so it really, uh, I think I did, I did, I was asked to do stand up at, at fest again in Gainesville this year. And that was like an incredibly fun trip because I just allowed myself to like be fun for once. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's like the last time I do stand up and I remember it, I'll be like really happy. But I actually liked hanging out with comedians more than I like doing stand-up. It's also the thing. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. The social aspect. That's what you like. Well, yeah, just Friends. like being able to be around people who are funny. And it's almost like at a certain point I started to realize that I, I like didn't I had like a a negative relationship with the audience that I had completely manufactured in my brain. Mm-hmm. In terms of like I just had uh for whatever reason, whenever I would like have things that would go wrong, I was like kind of unable to fail and um hurt my personhood. Sane, but a thing that like start and you get used to it, and then at some point I wasn't able to take it anymore. You were just feeling sensitive you were in your feelings i get it yeah so i was i was i was doing horrible shows in the middle of nowhere and in my feelings and angry so yeah (laughs) it's quite a recipe are you glad you took the time out and that your situation has uh changed has it been better has it been better for you 100 percent better it's like insane how much better it How, why? Um, I mean, how, how did it get better? Uh, well, the how of how it got better was I started seeing a very good therapist that I like. And I also, um, exercise four days a week and Mm. I stopped eating sugar as much as I can. Mm. And I don't eat, I was like, my, my diet was, I would just file out food. Um, Mm. I also pretty much stopped smoking weed. Um, so like I use, I, I have bad insomnia, so I use CBD pills to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now I feel present for the first time in. That's exciting. Which is crazy. It's crazy to me that I had lived that poorly for so long. Um, and, uh, it's like really the first time that I like feel like genuine happiness with just being alive in a person. And I think that I never really felt that for most of my conscious life. Would you recommend 
this strategy to 75% of current comedians? I think absolutely. Um, I think if I had taken the time to work on this before I started doing stand-up, um, it would have resulted in two things. Either one, I would have been fine not doing stand-up. Or two, I would have been way better at stand-up comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think if anyone is similar to us where you have this like obsession with an art form, it's generally the product of something in your life being very difficult or hard or stressful. The myriad of ways your, your body and brain and life experience can not feel good. Uh, well, or, or, or just not being comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And, there, see, and seeing people on stage who seem to make you feel comfortable or they seem comfortable and you yeah. want to emulate that, you know, and exactly. that's illusionary. Yeah. I extent. mean, it's the type of thing where you're like, Oh, they do that. They do that bit <laughs> every night. Like it's not a, they make it seem in the moment when it's not. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's especially in, I mean, I, I'm interested I was very interested in your uh, uh, thoughts about the Canadian like mental health system because in America it's like it's very difficult to find help and then half the time the therapist I've been to a lot of therapists half of them are fucking terrible it's like anyone well any, yeah any like job. I said yeah it's like they're sort of in between life coaches cheerleaders and uh, you know. Uh, hopefully they're not diagnosing you because yeah. they're probably afraid to diagnose you because they can't do anything medical. So, exactly. I mean, you know, that's, that's not completely untrue in Canada. And I, I would say that the worst thing about therapists is that they're just not trained in whatever your specific issue is. So it's really important to kind of, if you have something like OCD or AD, yeah. ADD to find a therapist with, if not experience, like a heavy curiosity for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And what sucks is that it's, it, it's, I feel like the freight, the way people think about therapy is the way they think about doctors where you show <laughs> up and they're like, all right, your leg's broken. Let's get you in a cast and we'll fix you. And you can't, yeah. therapy is not a one, one and done thing. Um, it no, takes it's a like lot. Of really, it's like reporting to a probation officer every week. You got to do it for the rest of your life. Is that a probation officer's work? It's uh, not. I don't think you're on probation for the rest of your life. I think. <laughs> if you're bad enough. I mean, if you're bad enough, you probably <laughs> go to jail, uh, I think, in that case. I don't think life probation is a, uh, I mean, who knows? America, it literally is like county to county as to what laws there are. So who the fuck knows? <laughs> Someone's probably on house arrest forever. Uh, who knows? But it's, um, uh, it's it takes a long time and it takes a lot of effort and you have to like i think it took me this long to get a lot of good out of it because i hadn't fully embraced how bad i felt yeah like a lot of my a lot of my early therapy sessions you know i went i started going to therapy when i was in like sixth grade it when i went in like when I was 25, 26, I thought I was as smart as the therapist. And so mm -hmm. I would give them things that I knew we could easily work through. They felt like I was doing something. But the bigger things mm -hmm. I would always keep hidden, um, which is not helpful. 
No, one must be true. Yeah. So the more honest you can be, the better. But it's also very hard to do that because a lot of times the things that send people to therapy are trust and other humans and um, all those things that you you have to like try with your therapist. So it's like also therapists are bad and you can just switch to a new one. But it's such a pain in the ass to find one that's good because they're usually booked up. Yeah, and you need to fill them in on you again. You need to go through all that. Yeah. Not yeah. I feel like I got to I got to wrap it up now. We've talked for a shockingly long time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get you know, you get us but on the phone, fun. we can just chat. I love it. But uh I should is there anything Springer's final thought? Goodrich's final thought. Uh, you know what? My final thought no. is that if you're listening to this, you are enough. Oh, that's so sweet. I could have done something funny, but I didn't. I, I don't fucking need to. You're retired, <laughs> man. Temporarily retired. Well, I think one of the one of my favorite things is that I like. I think when I started comedy, I wanted to prove to the world that I was funny, and now mm-hmm. I've gotten enough people who I respect as comedians tell me that they think I'm funny, that I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is insane uh, that that's what I was basing my pursuit of comedy on in retrospect, but it was yes, definitely a yeah. facet. I don't think it's rare that the approval of others is uh, something people are basing their entire comedy careers on. Yeah, you're, but, right. Uh, you're actually very right. Yeah. You, you've, you've got a crew, but <laughs> but yeah. Uh, all right, Goodrich, you are enough. I'm enough. We've had enough. <laughs> this was fun. Thank you for asking me to, to talk with you on this. Well, I really enjoyed the the essay, and I I hope people check yeah. it out. And thanks, uh, man. You know, it, it made me think of you and our uh, the similarity of our situations, and uh, you know, made me feel better. So That's I wanted great. to spread the word. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay, dude. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Yes, and absolutely. Hope. Peace. Peace <laughs> to the God. <laughs> Thanks, Goodrich. Oh, thank you. And that was my chat with Goodrich Givart, a uh, wonderfully named funny man, comes out of the rock punk world, as you heard, and uh, guy's got pluck for days, heart for years. Uh, So, you know, I, I think it's really worth noting that more than ever now, these goddamn big cities are too expensive they're too filled with rich people look yeah i was born in toronto it's a big place but it's hard being in these places the cost is always going up moving somewhere else and plying your trade is fine to do in fact it may be the future so we are outliers i don't know anyway hope you enjoyed it See you soon. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.